Good morning. Good morning. And welcome. Welcome to the Adele and Michael Show. Today is our maiden voyage, and we are going to discuss relationships of all types, including relationship with yourself. Relationships with your business partners, your friends, family, neighbors, intimate partner, and... Relationship with your kids, your neighbors, you name it. We're going to cover them all. Even relationships with your Siri or, or Alexa. Whatever. But most importantly, yourself. I mean, really, you have to live in that body, right, Michael? You do. <laughs> can't go anywhere without you. <laughs> you can't run from that, can you? No. <laughs> Even though we try sometimes. So it's really going to always go back to the relationship with yourself, because you should be your own BFF, right, Michael? Yes. Ooh, and yeah. in that also includes being self-aware. In, in order to live inside that body we live in, we're going to be aware of ourselves, our behaviors, things that we do, uh, things that we think other people do to us. So this should be a lot of fun. We're looking forward to it, and we hope you get a lot out of it. I'll just tell you one thing, Michael. I'm so glad that my name is first on the Adele and Michael show. I mean, it just it just rolls off your tongue so much better, doesn't it? It does. I mean, it's <laughs> really a nice name, and I'm really glad it's your name first because if anything goes wrong, they're going to look for you first. <laughs> no. I can hide. <laughs> so, everybody, look for Adele. I think we should uh, ask our listeners out there. Maybe you could call in. Actually, you can <laughs> call in any time and um, comment or ask questions or even just call to say hi. Say hello to us. Um, please reach us at 800-329-3306. We're on every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Thank you. So and glad you're here. Yes, we're glad to be here. So let's give it a moment and tell you just a bit about ourselves and what our expertise is, what we what we do. Um, and, oh, Adele wants to talk. Go we, ahead, Adele. We, because... We've learned so much about ourselves as a couple, as well as like the inner work that we did as individuals, because there's no relationship issues, are there, Michael? There's no, only there individual not. ones. That's right. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. <laughs> well, we, we have uh, published six books between the both of us. We have done coursework, some transformational one-on-one -on -one consultations, and some workbooks. We have a, a novel between us, and... We have a, a new business relationship book coming out. So that's a little bit about what we do in our professional life, and we'll talk more about that as we go on. And we also we run a 19-year-old nonprofit called Teamwork Wins, where we assist children with invisible challenges, children and young adults, in becoming self-directed, free-thinking, and creative. Wow, and what's an invisible challenge, Adele? You don't know what it is? No, I don't. I think you need to tell them. No, you should tell them. It's a challenge that's invisible. Oh, so basically anything you can't see that goes on in your experience of life. <laughs> so it could be just stress or anxiety or silent communication between relationship partners or even ADHD or yeah. anything like that. Yeah, we've been so many places, haven't we? Yes, we have. Just, just you know, spreading the the, the work that we do. Right. Um, and we, yeah. We we have traveled the world. We've been as far away as New Zealand. Yeah. And that was probably one of our coolest trips, and yet one of the longest, lengthy plane rides we'd ever been on. Oh, right. I know. 
And, and talk about intimate relationships. Try sitting on an airplane next to somebody for 20 hours. Yeah. That, that <laughs> makes for a very intimate relationship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when we were in England, remember, we, we spoke um, at that... Um, there was like yes. 200 people there, and right. there was an invisible challenge indigo movie. That's right. what it was, right? There, there was a conference, and people were watching uh, the indigo movie, and that's um, a label they give children with certain sensitivities and a little bit differences than like when I was younger. Now, I myself grew up in the 60s and... I grew up in the 70s. <laughs> so it was a lot different. And yeah. so we were at this conference while we were in England and they asked us to speak and review Invisible Challenges. And that was quite fun. It was very interesting. Yeah, it was. And I, I got to say, I do love the English accent. I know, me too. It's just fun to listen to. Yeah, it is. It's just so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, and Italy, when we went to Italy in the Italian accent, oh, I love yes. that. <laughs> yes, so we'll talk a little bit about those, our relationships, and how we discovered um, fun relationships with people that we couldn't even speak the same language. So. Yeah. That was really, really cool. Yeah, stay tuned. But we, we, we've been married for 17, 18 years, and we were both in long-term relationships for that, so we have a lot of experience. We've been through a lot. Through the development of it, we both raised children. Adele had how many? Two children. Okay, and I had four, and we were like the Brady Bunch when we came together. Oh, yeah. Bringing the two families together was quite interesting. We're going to have a lot to say about that. In fact, children, if you're listening, we are going to drag you into the studio so you can, you can yes. hear listeners firsthand what it was like to bring mentalists and feelers together. We learned a lot from each yes. other, right? <laughs> and so you'll hear us once in a while refer to a mentalist or a feeler, and what we call that is a mentalist is someone who thinks a lot. They have a lot on their mind. They're always mulling over information. And a feeler is someone who's very sensitive. They, they pretty much feel everything. And not emotions, but their sensitivities. And as we watched our beautiful children um, connect, I, we watched how they learned from each other. And it was just, it was just fascinating and beautiful, don't yep. you think? Yeah, it was awesome. It and was, yeah. We did not have a Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Oh, no, we didn't. Okay, and, <laughs> and we didn't have an Alice. And, and, and Mom always said, don't play ball in the house. Remember that one? <laughs> yes, but in our house, we did play ball. We so. did. We, we played. And thank God for Nerf balls. <laughs> so as we did that, they developed their own relationships and have taken those tools out into the world. And I guess when we talk to them, we'll find out if they're successful or not. Yeah, that's true. That's great. So I think we should tell them how we met because that was a little weird okay i mean think about that the beginning of our relationship well why don't you tell them that story (laughs) okay well um let's see uh i was um with a friend of mine and um she had a brochure of this guy named michael cavallaro and it said on the brochure adhd specialist um tai chi chi kong all these different things on it and I thought, wow, I just became an ADHD certified coach. Maybe I'll give him a call and we can collaborate. So I gave him a call and he said to me, I told, asked him, 
And he said, how are you oh, going to... Oh, no, 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 wait a second. Okay, hold on. You have to tell him that we did chat for a little bit. I didn't just say that right off the oh, bat. Oh, that's true. We chatted, okay. and it was a good... You were very cordial. And then now the porch okay. punchline? Okay, Then I said, I th- thought maybe we could collaborate on ADHD and talk about it and see what we could do. And he says, well... What did he say? Should he say said, it? yes, go ahead. Okay. He don't said, be shocked, ladies and gentlemen. Don't be shocked, because there's more to Michael than this, okay? Because you might think he was very rude. But, okay. How are you going to help people with ADHD if you're not well yourself? Oh, click, hang up. No, I didn't hang yep. up right away. But I, pretty close to right yeah. away. <laughs> so, obviously, he was seeing some things. Well, we can talk about his gift later. But seeing some things um, that were not connecting for me and not... Um, yeah, too yeah. well. I guess I'm not well. So that's been the joke the entire relationship. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and I but did. But she's well now. <clears throat> I am well now. Yeah. So. So that was our that was our first introduction to each other. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And then I ended up four months later going back um, to to talk to him again about something else. So that's right, Tai Chi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, so that's our story and how we met. Um, I maybe I could tell. I can talk about my story. Or what would you uh, like to do, Michael? Well, That's what we do. Okay. But before we got together, we were um, Adele had a little adventure, and she was uh, volunteering at the women's prison in uh, Philadelphia. And so she invited me to help her when she realized that there were about fifty women who signed up. And oh, when she goodness. first went in, they told her probably nobody's going to sign up for this. <laughs> yes, and then fifty-two women signed up for it. So I'm there in the women's facility. Um, you know, I just said, we're going to talk about ADHD and sexual abuse, and I'm going to help you. So when they all signed up, of course, afterwards, I called Michael up, and I said, Michael, you need to come in and help me. So he did. So that was very nice of you. Thank, Thank you, you, Michael. Thank you. I'm a very <laughs> nice guy. But she's also a very nice lady. Thank you. So I'll just tell you about the experience in the prison the first day. Um, so... I'm, I opened it up and I started talking to the girls and, and Michael was behind, was in the front of the room behind the table. And I remember looking at him thinking, why aren't you coming and talking with me? She, he just stared. He was just staring. And I thought, is he nervous? I'm like, he doesn't ever appear nervous. I know, I've known him for a year and a half. What is going on? So it takes him a while and all of a sudden he shows up. He walks over to the women and he changes completely. Well, later on, I asked him, what were you doing behind the table? I was sitting there, ah, you know. <laughs> and here, he said, I was feeling the, the group. I was feeling, of course, the feeler. And I'm in my mental head saying, get over here, you know. <laughs> but anyway, long story short, he started speaking to these women, and it was amazing to watch. So amazing. I just kind of backed up. I leaned up against the wall with the, with the guards, <laughs> and I heard the guards saying, Oh my goodness, Sunshine's crying. Oh my. Look, Sunshine's always said that we can use her name, right? Right. Yeah, she did. Because <laughs> she. she said, you helped us so much that yep. you can use my name anytime you would like. That's right. Hello, Sunshine. Um, so, but he helped them, and, and it was just a wonderful thing. And so, at the end, they were crying, and it was just, we, we worked with them for a year. But, yep. Yeah. And it, it was a lot of fun. We reached a lot of uh, sensitive spots for them a lot of discoveries and we actually became friends with several of them and really Adele and I went out afterward and one of them in fact I believe it was Sunshine she asked us to go out and 
assist her son because he was managing while she happened to be incarcerated. And that was a lot of fun, too. What a beautiful young man he was. He was. He was. And um, we, <clears throat> this is about, the show is about self-awareness and relationships. <clears throat> Excuse me. Right. So, so now, we're, now, now that's <clears throat> enough about Michael. How about well, a little bit about Adele? All right. All right. Well, my beginnings, you mean? Okay. Yeah. Let me tell you. I grew up in an Italian family, kind of. Do I say chaotic or just an Italian family that moved really quickly? Everything, a lot of business going on from the neighbors swirling around coming in to the big Italian family. And it was a little, little fast. And I was a little sensitive girl, the youngest in the family. And I'm, I adjusted, um, but it, it was interesting. So I went to Mr. and Mrs. Poole's preschool. And it was a wonderful place because there was this elderly couple and they, they let me float and relax, and, and I just really, really enjoyed it. And then, first grade, I had to go to the Catholic school. I would say rigidity, but I love the Catholic school. I went 12 years of Catholic school, but I went there, and it was very difficult to sit still. And that's where I started really having trouble sitting still. And then um, at six years old, I was sexually abused, so that was another trauma. So by the time I arrived in second grade, big problem. I was spinning and um, I couldn't focus. Um, I didn't want to feel all the feelings that I had in my body, the different traumas that I had. Um, I numb myself as I grew up, middle school, high school. Um, and then I, my, I had a wonderful mother and she, she helped me and worked with me on getting into college. I went to school and I became a public school teacher. Loved it. Um, although I all, loved all that, looks like yeah. Adele, all, all yeah. that drove you to search for your own answers, right? Because yes. of your ADHD and uh, all the other traumas that you went through, right? Yes, and I was a fourth grade teacher in Kansas, and I I loved it, but I was more interested in the invisible challenge piece, and I was helping these kids, um, not just with their you know visual. Uh, the different modalities that they learn, visual, kinesthetic, um, you know, verbal. I was more of um, helping them with their anxieties and stress and all of that. So I really took interest in that. And so I finally, after that, the trauma started really coming to the surface. And I, I really had to look at that. And I started. And I searched and searched. That's why I wrote the book, Searching for Oz, searching for the love that I knew existed in me, that self-love that was there. And what happened from the, for the, from the self-love, what happened to the self-love was all of these emotions and, and things that piled up on that. So I couldn't really see the self-love again. So I was searching to get back to that. I became an ADHD coach, and then I met Michael in its history. And <laughs> That's with me. that note, we're going to take a break and we'll be discussing a little bit more about partner relationships when we come back. If you have any questions, please call us at 1-800-329-3306. Look at that. And we'll be right back. At any given moment, somewhere in America, a baby is taking a first step, a developmental milestone. But for too many parents, a baby's first steps aren't just a milestone, they're a miracle. These are the parents of babies who were born prematurely or with birth defects. 
It's a crisis affecting more than half a million babies in the United States each year. You can help them by joining volunteers like you who walk in March for Babies. The money you raise funds research and local programs that help babies overcome the challenges of premature birth and birth defects. Together, our steps make stronger, healthier babies a reality for thousands of families. Sign up today at marchforbabies.org to take the steps that help make milestones and even miracles possible. Who will you march for? Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't seen your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed. And they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs. And it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover keytar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff. Create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Hello and welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, uh, rookie mistake here. Uh, the phone number for call in is 888, not 1 800. So 888 329 3306. Now, back to what we were discussing. Adele. Okay, so before we go and talk about relationships today, um, well, this we're talking about our relationship, right? So when I met Michael, he was living on a seven acre property. And he had a word-of-mouth business. He was helping so many people with this gift that he has. Um, you'll recognize the gift as you tune in each week to our show. Um, someone once described us as a bear and a bird as our relationship. Yes. The bear and a bird. Guess who the bear is? Uh, Adele. <laughs> no. <laughs> She's big and hairy. No. Well, because <laughs> two, two people from different worlds who love each other. But the question is... Could we live together? So he was the sweet, calm, relaxing, intuitive bear, you know, eating his honey on a six, eight, seven acre lot. And I was this awesome bird that needed to move around. I needed to move fast sometimes, right? She did. Um, and it took a lot of getting used to. How do you, how do you live together and work together like as we do, um, and and still get along so we've for 17 years we've really worked at this we and have it, we have worked been, diligently yeah and it's really amazing i mean think about it i'm more serious well i have a little humor in me now but and you, you you're uh, always cracking jokes i liked plain food when i met you you're always into it, it has to be flavorful yes. um i'm again that's more the, of the italian mind. part of me <laughs> that's everything it. has to be flavorful and delicious <laughs> yes Let's talk about that when we talk about Anthony's commercial. <laughs> um, so the the mental mind, again, and then the feeler family, Cavallero. But 
I mean, the men, the mind is, is wonderful as well, like that mindset that people talk about. Yes. Because it's like, when is it time to now leave? We have to do this. We have, so it's like keeping things on track, you know? Yes. But Michael will say, no, it's feeling when you have to leave. So we've... We've adopted each other's right. <laughs> You have to have both skills. You, you do. have to have a, a good, healthy mind and a good feeling sense. And all of that brings you together as a whole person. Yes. Allows you to relate better to your partner and understand them better. So there's a lot of reasons to have both qualities. Now, both qualities also have their deficits, but <laughs> they do have their positives. And then when I met Adele... All I know is that outside of my cave was this swirling tornado. <laughs> and it just spun like crazy. And she was always on the go and ready to do something and having to do something. And then all of a sudden when she would slow down, I would see what was in the middle. This beautiful, healthy being. Thank and you, Michael. <laughs> very kind and compassionate and brought me a lot of things for myself to learn. So it was... Uh, uh, quite a blessing that she arrived, except for the dust that got kicked into the cave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, and the bird kind of poking at you sometimes, you know. I yes. told him he needed to share this information with the world. So I, so I got him out of his cave, and we made our way to all these different places, and now we're here on the radio, which we're glad you're here. Yes, and she is equally as skilled at this point, and together we are just quite a team. Yes, And it we works are. beautifully. <laughs> so... Getting to be with a with a partnership, it, it takes a lot of work. We have to learn who we are, where we came from. But we didn't realize, at least in the beginning, I didn't realize that where where and how we were raised created a lot of our challenges, but also our gifts. And so the way you're raised in your family changes the way you perceive the world. It's the way that you look at the world and the way you look at your partners and what we look for from our partners. So if you're looking for a partner to take care of you, quite often that became from either a well-caring mother or father who then you interpreted as, wow, I want someone to take care of me because that feels like love. That's what we determined was love in a relationship and the way it felt. And we all have very similar things, but they are a little bit different, a little slight different perspectives. And so for me... I liked peaceful situations. I liked calm situations. One, because my family, sort of like hers, was pretty chaotic and it was quite noisy. And so for me, silence was really a golden place. So I would often like to venture off into the woods, hang out in nature, drive to the Poconos, and just be with myself or a couple of people and just enjoy our day. I love that about you, the silence, Michael. And I learned to, to get still inside from that. It was just a blessing. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, that silence had brought me to a lot of observation, a lot of skills. Uh, at the other hand, my, my father was an old school um, type of parent. So it was stay in line and keep you in line. And so that kept us quite on our toes as children. And I personally didn't like that, so I changed that. That taught me how to parent differently. So there was a lot of skills that came out of that. That also determined how I saw partners or, or girlfriends or wife. And that created a whole different perspective of life, which I had to 
get a new perspective realizing the dysfunctions that were in my family. I would say the, the last 10 years, Mike, when Michael and I would go through things, and it was like all day long because of the work that we did together, you know, right. constantly together, we would audio tape what we learned. Like he would say, hold on, Adele. I'm like, oh, he's going to get the audio tape. Here we go. That's why we have so many audio tapes in our library. And if you really listen to them about relationships, you'll see that it's from our yes. mistakes, from our what we've learned. And then Michael bringing the gift that you have as far as the process and how to undo it. We always used to say, we have to make it easy. Relationships should not be hard. Right. They shouldn't be no stressful. More. They shouldn't be anxiety filled. A lot of people say that's normal. I would say that is common, but it doesn't have to be normal. A nice, smooth relationship is awesome. So, yes, did the the arguments or the debates, and it might sound a little crazy that we recorded some, but we did that because we work with people. And that's one of our main course of action is to learn so that we can pass on the wisdom to other people so they can parent differently, so they can have their relationships differently and and not see that relationships end just because you disagree. There's just so many ways to change that for you and us. And so as we discovered that, that was all part of our process and we knew that and it took a lot of work and we worked together almost 24 hours a day, except for when we were sleeping. <laughs> but sometimes it was 24 hours a day because we weren't sleeping. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> you know, we laughed at times. Um, actually, one time, we, we have a therapist that's a friend, and we were collaborating on some things, and Michael and I had a disagreement. We were going at it, but the way we were going out of it amused her. She was like, I have been in therapy for so many years, and I've never saw a couple handle it the way you do well we're like well we don't want to repeat it this is the last time this will happen we want to be able to talk to each other yeah god right so no the, <laughs> the purpose of them in, in us is to discover what causes them how we have them and most importantly how to resolve them how to get along with each other yeah we spent a lot of time at like anthony's Oh, Anthony's Coffee House? <laughs> oh, yeah. Say On hello to On 9th Street in South Philly? Yes, yes, at the Italian market. We yes. hung out there, and uh, we, we hung out a lot of places, but we, that's our, one of our favorites because the coffee, it's not bitter, it's smooth. We have our chocolate-covered pizzas and chocolate-covered pretzels. Reminds us of Italy. It does. So yeah. when we would go there and discuss that, we would sit, we would take notes. We'd, we'd also observe other couples. So as we do this... We're always learning together. We're always finding out ways to make things smoother, things to to work out nicely and, and discover how to pass it on. So mine is the find out and figure out the puzzle. Adele's is how to say it to other people so it really makes sense because you're the teachery part. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, and, you know, you speak so others can hear, like speak in their language and meet them where they are. So we've always we've always mm -hmm. done that. It's neat. So, one one lesson we learned in in our relationships, which is in one of our books uh, called the Fifty Five Concepts, is people are your mirrors and teachers. So basically, that means what Adele? No, you, Michael. Oh, see, she's reflecting back to me right away. <laughs> so really, that is about what you see in others is actually a part of you somewhere. 
It's something in your unconscious. It's something that you are aware of, something that you may not be aware of, something you do, something you say, something that you used to do. But otherwise, you wouldn't be able to see certain things within other people. And from that, you learn about yourself. It's not about criticizing the other person. And that's one of the key things in any relationship is not criticizing other people. There is no blame. We all do things for a reason. And that reason always serves us whether we're conscious of it or not, whether it makes sense or not. But we're always doing things that mean something to us. And so if we can get away from the blame, it really helps us communicate, doesn't it, Adele? It does. And, you know, we have some basic courses on the um, the basic things that he said, like people, oh, you're mirror and teacher. Um, but we also have advanced courses so on the videos online. So it's the... The, um, the, the importance of knowing where you're at. Like, for instance, this, this relationship one that we mentioned earlier. You, relation, wait, what was the relationship? Um, the, re, what's the one with the individual? This is so funny, I can't remember what it oh. is. There are no relationship issues. There we go. There are no relationship issues. There's only individual ones. Because like Michael was saying, you need to reflect back to yourself. So when you're having a problem with a relationship, look at the mirror of what's happening. Go back to yourself, deal with it yourself first, right? And right. then continue the relationship. That, we always did that. You, you used to right. say to me, go back Adele, go back and love yourself. You, all that negative talk, go back and love yourself and then come back to me and we'll talk. This is about you, isn't it? It's, right. it's well, amazing. All, in, in our discovery and, and experience with the thousands of people we work with, this is, it's always about you. And you interpret things in life. You interpret the way people do things, the way people say things. And when we interpret it, we don't always interpret it accurately. We interpret it from our past and the definitions we've made in our previous experiences. So, uh, for example, I had, a, I had a client once that we were, we were in a discussion and they, they posed a question and as I was thinking about the question, I rolled my eyes and I was looking up to the upper left or right and all of a sudden the client started to yell at me and I didn't know what they were yelling about. They started yelling, you know what you're doing, stop it, stop it. And I said, genuinely, I don't really understand what you're saying, could you please tell me? So as we went through this, a couple of rounds of that back and forth, they finally explained to me how every time their father would roll their, his eyes, he would then come back with some critical, harsh statement that really would crush their feelings. And so every time somebody rolls their eyes, they would anticipate that, especially when it would come from a man. And so we had to discuss that and understand that this was a, a misinterpretation. It did happen when you were a child, but now it's interfering in your relationship. And you don't need to see things that way anymore. And what happens is we, we interpret these things as children and we believe them to be true for the rest of our life until we come up against the challenge or an invisible challenge that creates something for us to look at this to decide whether this is true or false. And often we find out they're false, but sometimes our ego gets in the way because we have trouble with being wrong or incorrect in our interpretations. 
And for me, when I would do that, I would often find that it was very challenging for me to admit that I was wrong because that meant that I was unworthy and that I was not good enough. And that would reflect that and probably my partner would see that and they wouldn't want to be with me. And for me, um, because I'm committed to my inner work, what would happen would be that, oh gosh, I, <laughs> just fixing the camera here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, he would, Michael would say one thing and it would trigger me of what maybe my dad said when I was little or my mom or sisters and brother. He would say one thing and because I was committed, I would be like, whoa, that just got me. It bothered me. So right. anything that bothers you is your issue. So it, the way he said it, the words that he used, and then so I would get charged. So what I would do is I'd go back with a little comment with him and then that would escalate. And right. No, that wouldn't work for a relationship. So what I would do is say, what did I say? So in the beginning, when that would happen, as she would say something that would escalate it, it would often trigger some unknown feeling I had, and then I would respond. And then we'd go back and forth, and nothing would get accomplished. So as we've done this, we've had to figure out what triggers us, what triggers each other to understand each other. And it really became more about understanding each other and the way that we speak or hear words because we all hear words a little differently and we all interpret them a little differently as well as when it's said, who says it, the way they say it, their gestures, their voice tone. I was hypersensitive to voice tone when I was Oh, a kid. and I talked very loud, right? Sometimes <laughs> I remember that. But uh, um, yeah, so and, you go. And, and, and so when you're hypersensitive to voice tone, now you always are interpreting something. There's some secret meaning behind what somebody's saying when they say, well, if you want to, it's okay with me. <laughs> That's kind of like, oh, what, yeah. are you, what are you really saying? Yeah. And you already know your, your partner's in suspect. <laughs> That's true. And it's important to support your partner by saying those words, Michael, don't say those words until I get over my issue. Can you not say them? But after a while, you have to do the issue. You have to, to get over it and work through it, which, you know, that's what we do for a living. We help people that do that. Yeah, uh, otherwise they keep reoccurring, and we didn't want that. So No, we, we didn't. We had a lot to go through. She had traumas in her life. She, Like she mentioned, she was sexually abused as a, as a young child. And um, for me, I was verbally, emotionally, and, and sometimes physically abused when... I was a child, so you have to grow through those and and see things differently because in those you grow out of that feeling like you're a victim, like life is against you, and you always have to be on guard, especially when you're in an intimate relationship. You must be on guard because you know that that person's going to hurt you. Well, it isn't really true, it isn't really their intent, but from your childhood wounds, at least for me, that brought that into the relationship, and I had to rediscover that and work through that. And I told you we were going to get personal about our relationship, so I'll tell you something. When I used to freak out because I was in an issue, a pattern, and I would scream or, or raise my voice or whatever, or even manipulate, he, I at one point, I remember when I stopped doing it, I saw the little boy in him react and the love that was hurt 
And I was just like, I'm so, I stopped in the middle of the, the yelling and said, I am so sorry, Michael. I won't do that to you again. I'll do it in another way and work on it. But I went back and worked on it because I saw his heart just break. It was, it was, it was devastating yeah. for me. Yes, so I, I've had many of those same experiences witnessing her when I said things the wrong way or sometimes because I'm very playful, I would make some jokes and she would take them personally and <laughs> I could see her get hurt too. So I had to reevaluate some of those. But for me... Uh, my mom was a screamer. She was crazy. And everything was at the top of her lungs, and everything was designed to hurt your feelings. And so that became very difficult. So anytime that would happen, it would trigger that in me. But I didn't know what to do with it. So those were some of the things that put me on my quest to find the answer to how to resolve this so you don't have to do this anymore. And there is a way. And um, what I love about this work that we do, this inner work, is that his mother, even though she did do that to him, because he, she, he worked through those issues, he was also able to see what she did do for him. That, you know, talking about your appearance and how, hey, man, mm -hmm. you, you're okay. You know, you look yep. good. And, you, and he, she, she did that, do those things, which so, is nice. Same so with my family. Though, yeah, even though there was a lot of, we'll call it negative things, there was... Uh, quite a few good things that I actually couldn't recognize till I was in about my 30s. <laughs> yes. And that, that took quite a bit because I was still too busy with the wounds. But once I got over the wounds, I really started to appreciate some of the gifts that my parents did give me that they didn't even realize they were giving me. Right. You are not your behaviors is another concept. Mm -hmm. You're not. Yeah. And so to realize that what happened to my parents caused them to do what they did. So it wasn't even their fault. They were actually simply repeating what they had unconsciously learned and was interfering with their own relationship and they weren't aware of it. So I was blessed enough to become aware of that and change my life. Unfortunately, my parents were not. Mm -hmm. But they had a lot of beautiful information that I got even though the wounds that I had to recover from, uh, caused a lot of healing, a lot of self-reflection. So this happens to all of us. We all have our different version. We all have a different way, but we all experience this because we're human beings. We're yes. feeling beings. Well said, Michael. Well said. Um, I'd like to take a little break here and, and give a shout out to um, the Walnut Club. The Walnut Club is a premium business and social networking organization dedicated to promoting the advancement of women and celebrating their achievements. I'm a member, love these women. Members receive access to intimate networking opportunities, enriching educational and social experiences, mentorship and leadership development, and curated events featuring leaders in government business, nonprofits, and the arts. I was just at their event at the Mashalu. It was awesome. So they have active um, chambers in both Center City and on the main line. So learn more about them at www.walnutclub.org. And now we're going to take a little break, and we will be right back. Introducing the YMCA. What, you already know the Y? Or so you think. 
Sure, you know the why for a swim, a workout, even a game of hoops. But did you know we're more than that? We're a cause. When you take your jump shot at the why, someone else is getting job training. Take a cardio class while kids are in an after-school enrichment program. Practice your downward-facing dog as a teen practices her leadership skills. That's the why. We work with people no matter their age, income, or background and give them the opportunity to learn, grow, and thrive, all with one simple goal in mind, to strengthen our community. And we've got so much more that does just that. So while you might think of the why as that place for lifting weights, we're also about lifting entire communities. Introducing the why. We're so much more than a place. We're a cause. Visit ymca.net slash more. My dad came to live with us last month, and you know, it's going pretty well. I feel like I never have time for myself. With him being around more, it really lets us catch up on things. His memory isn't what it used to be. We get up and we have coffee. He usually wakes up at 4.30. Then we go for a walk. He needs lots of my attention. I do need to keep an eye on his medications, though. That's important. Sometimes I feel like a pharmacist. I'd say John and the kids are adjusting pretty well. They honestly have no idea what I'm going through. It can be a little challenging. Help. But so far, so good. I could really use just a little help. For those dealing with the daily struggles of caring for a loved one, we hear you. That's why AARP created a community with experts and other caregivers for advice, tips, and support. Together, let's help each other better care for ourselves and the ones we love. Visit aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Hello and welcome back. Welcome back. We're going to step right in. Do we have a caller on the line? Kelly? Hello. Hello, Kelly. Hello, Kelly. How are you guys? All right. How are you doing? Good. I'm well, thanks. <laughs> and um, today's topic is really great about relationships because I have a really important relationship question for you. All right. So I'm doing this inner work. Uh, I'm in this long-term relationship, right? And I'm doing this inner work, but my partner isn't. And so we get to this point where we kind of get stuck. We're at like a standstill because we can't get past this issue. And because it's not my issue, I can't really do much to change it. So I would, I'm interested in hearing some tips on how I can be in a relationship with someone who's not doing the work and kind of like keep my sanity and keep on doing the work for myself. Okay. That's pretty easy, actually. The, the, the most important part is to start to understand your partner's language. How are they speaking about the same things in their own language? So you're doing your inner work and you have a certain languaging system that goes along with that. And how can you translate what your partner is saying to mean similar things and cross-reference it into yours? So your partner might not be able to say that their feelings are hurt. You might be able to say your feelings are hurt. So you have to listen to them and hear what's underneath what they're saying. Sometimes they'll be saying it, maybe they'll be angry. And that anger is often hiding their hurt. And so you kind of have to listen a little more carefully about what the topic is that they're talking about and how you can address it in a language that they understand. Mm -hmm. 
this is doable. It just takes a lot of practice because now you're you're really relearning a language and learning how to discuss the same thing, but you have to translate while you're talking to them. Yes, um, that makes a lot of sense. And a quick follow up question then. So I'm actually I'm getting better as I go on. You know, I'm getting better at trying to figure out what's really underneath the surface conversation that we're having. And so I just start asking questions, you know, is it, are you angry because I hurt your feelings or, you know, like a, like a question to try and pinpoint it. And I just hit sort of a brick wall where he's just not interested in participating in the question and answer. And he feels like I'm challenging him maybe, or I don't know, like I don't, I can't get good answers to the questions because he doesn't want to participate in that. Yeah, Kelly, thanks. And sometimes that does happen. Um, We both have needed a break throughout this relationship where we would stop and say, okay, I need some time and <laughs> right just right. I need some time um, how or how can I word this to you in a different way Michael since you're not looking at this right now you know what he would say to me I promise that I'll get back to you and and we'll talk about it eventually um, but right now I need to not do this so you have to respect that part that's one part okay you have to just respect it the other part is is um, well, first of all, so you have to make sure that you keep can't keep poking him when he's not ready to do it. Um, but as far as wording, questions are really good because you're trying to really um, get to know him more. And look, I need to know how you want me to talk to you or what triggers you. So yeah. we're assuming your partner's male. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. And. Um, with with that, you also have to understand how men have been raised in our culture. First of all, they're raised to not have their feelings. Men are taught that their feelings are bad. It makes them sissies. It makes them unacceptable, intolerable, open for bullies, et cetera, et cetera. So for them, after a quite a long period of time, their real feelings get shoved under. I know this. I had to go through this. And so them being buried under and the inability to express them, the point is they probably have reached the point where they can't even access them. Mm. So when you're asking questions, it probably, I'm gonna guess, it would feel almost like a badgering. Like, what is it, what is it? I'm, I'm, I'm under the lamp at the police station with the rubber hose, you know? And <laughs> it's like, I'm under serious pressure. I, I can't answer this, I can't answer this now. How do I escape? So I escape by being hostile or I escape by just completely shutting down because I don't know how to access my feelings. So sometimes you can ask him if he can even access his feelings. Ask him if he has trouble doing it or what you can do to help him. Is there anything you can do to assist him? And explain to him that you're not badgering and you're not trying to break down his barriers of protection you're simply trying to figure out how to connect with him more and that when he shuts down, it's difficult for you to reach him and you, you just can't connect to him. So you're, you're trying to find a way and what is your real purpose? Because I will guarantee you if he was wounded like I was with as a child, um, you know that the other person badgering you is looking for a weak spot. And if you give it up, you're in trouble later, so you aren't giving it up, and it's gonna take a lot of testing and a lot of proving to make sure that it's safe enough. And 
men in our culture again are not allowed to admit they have feelings and if they do they go over the top so there's this this imbalance and so ask him how can you ask questions ask him what he needs from you and how you can do it so he might say Kelly I need you to ask me how are you feeling today and do you know and then you repeat literally what he says because he's telling you how to reach him through his his walls of that he's built up around himself. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. Um, when you talked about him as like wanting to escape, uh, he escapes by saying, "I don't know." That's like the standard answer, and so I'm just blocked. Sure. Um, and I can't I can't go any further. But this is great advice. Um, I took a lot of notes just now. Thank you very Good. much. No, I have one more thing before you jump off. Is that when he's retreating, he's trying to find a way out because there for me and most of the men that I've worked with, what I see is that the fear of getting in touch with those feelings that cause the pain is equally as scary as the person badgering you. And even if they're asking in a genuine way, it feels like badgering. And I am terrified to feel the feelings that I have in the first place. And I'm terrified of your badgering. So the only way for me to remain safe is to say I don't know and disassociate from what I'm truly feeling. So you have to be patient, you have to be kind, and you have to ask him what you can do or how he needs it so that you can reach him and, and try to reassure him that your purpose is not to hurt him, it's to become more connected. Yep, okay, great. Okay. Wow, Yeah. thanks for calling in, Kelly. Oh, yeah. thank you very much. Thank you, Kelly. You know, this is an interesting topic, Michael, because, I mean, let's face it. Males have been taught to deny their own love, let alone their feelings of hurt. Right. Well, from well, the very beginning. Yeah. I was taught from the beginning in the old school was serve other people, mm -hmm. do things for others, get your love from others, give up what you want for others. Self-sacrifice was seen as a noble thing. I don't think it is. I think helping others is, but that has to come from your heart, not because you were, you were drilled into giving up your own self-love and your own safety for other people. Because for me, all that happens when I gave up my safety, that's when my mom would go over the edge. She would get a little crazy, and that would only hurt more. And then on the other end, with an old-school dad... And then old school dads, you get kind of beat up because they're expecting you to be this rough, tough male. And boy, I was a hypersensitive kid. All the way up until about the age of six, um, I struggled with being called a crybaby and, and whatnot because when things would hurt, they would hurt and I would cry and I would get belittled and berated for it by friends, family, parents, because they didn't know any better, I understand now. But at the time, it was very hurtful and I didn't know what to do with it. So I learned to shut down my feelings. So that was the only way for me to survive in my family and in the culture I was in. So when, when you shut down your feelings, the only thing you have left is now to seek, how do I behave in the world? So I just tried to figure out how to behave in the world and behave without feelings, or at least hide my feelings. And then by the time I was in my 20s, I forgot about feelings. I had to come back to them. 
when I finally hit my 20s, I realized, wow, my heart's numb. This is really difficult. And it's really hard for me to open up to people, even though I'm very friendly and had tons of friends, it's very difficult to open up. So I had to go back and go through my wounds so that I could actually talk. And without being hurt again. And the other problem was the people that I would get involved with would have their own issues. So they would look for your weakness and then they try to get in on your weakness. And now I'm trying to open up and they're hitting you with your weak point. And it's like, wow, I'm getting hurt all over again. What's the purpose in this? This makes no sense. And then you almost want to give up. And men, particularly in, in the way I was raised and still bleeds through to today is you're not supposed to have those feelings. You're supposed to go out, take care of your family, uh, be the strong one, bring home the bacon, and lump it. It doesn't matter if you want to be a house dad and stay home and take care of your kids, which I did want to be, but I wasn't. So I would work two or three jobs to support the family. In the meantime, I'm unhappy as heck. I really wanted to be home with my kids, but I couldn't be because I had to do what I was supposed to do, which really... I didn't have to do, but I didn't know that till later. So the same goes for women. Yeah, I was just going to say, what are your thoughts on women? I want to hear from a man's perspective. Really? Yeah, I do. Yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I think for women, it's almost the same. They have a little bit different. They're taught that they're allowed to express their feelings and they can actually use their feelings to get away with stuff. Yes. And it also, they can use their feelings to hide their feelings which is kind of an irony. So in that, they have their own challenges. And we are nearing toward the end of the show, so we can get into this another time. All right. But they have as deep a a problem in their own training, and this is a cultural problem. And then it's passed on as normal that women are supposed to be, you know, the old tradition is women are supposed to be at home, taking care of the children, have the feelings, and and take care of the emotions of the family, and the men are supposed to go be the hunter-gatherers and bring home the bacon so the family can live. And they're just distorted. They're outmoded. Maybe it worked 2,000 years ago, but it doesn't work today. Right. Things have to be different, and we have to recognize that and teach our children different. Our children deserve more. Yes, and yes. we deserve more. Yes, we do. And when a woman finds herself in the workplace and feelings of suppression comes up, Yes, that's huge. It is. So we will be doing a show on women and equality. Yes. What that means and how the programming of our society and our culture has caused a lot of these difficulties. Yeah, the system has to change. Yes. But yeah, we'll get to that. Cool. Yep. It was so wonderful to be on the show today. Our first show. Yeah. Thanks for listening. And yes, and so look to the future for some, some shows we'll be doing. We will be going over trauma, intimacy, sex and love, victim and victimhood, parenting, co-parenting, how to be a healthy parent, and how your parenting style and beliefs affect your children, how you can change that and make it easier for your children. Healing the wounded child within and your own child. Uh, um, How to have fun, happiness, joy, and being real. (laughs) And then how to parent, um, how parenting affects children. That's our our nonprofit. I mean, we have so much to say on that one. Yes, and, yeah. and how how to enjoy your relationships, how to really get the most out of them, 
And this can be any type of relationship. We're even going to talk about your relationship with other drivers on the road. Like this morning. Yes. <laughs> road police. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We had a relationship with that guy, didn't we? Yes, we did. It was very close, <laughs> literally and physically. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much. We will see you guys next Thursday at 10 a.m. And please visit our station www.dbam.com and listen to our post shows. And our website, adeleandmichael.com. Great to have you. Have a great week.